What is up, Calvary? Good to have you here with us today. Thanks for coming out. And for those of you that are joined with us on, glad to have you as well. And uh, we are in the midst of a series called Undercover Boss. Undercover Boss. And, and a lot of you know the, the program that's on TV just got renewed again for another season. It'll be coming back on again where uh, a boss goes undercover in disguise. And, and he, he hides who he truly is so that he can kind of get inside the company and find out what is happening. So he'll be in the restaurant rather than his nice office. He's, he's in the factory, in, in the shop, in the manufacturing plant. He's, he's at the warehouse. He's at the shipping. He's, he's behind the scenes seeing what's happening for real in his company. Because here's what he knows. He knows that whatever's going on on the inside of the company eventually is going to make its way outside. And a lot of times, he's finding a lot of good and a lot of good people. But every once in a while, he comes across somebody that's not pulling their weight, that's not doing the job. And he has to confront him and say, hey, look, we got to make some changes. Here's what we know about our lives. Same thing happens. What is on the inside of us so oftentimes comes to the outside of us. And therefore, what is on the inside has to be controlled by us. Often, that's our emotion. And if we don't control our emotions, then our emotions take control of us. If we don't control our emotions that are in us, it's going to make a difference on what's happening outside of us. Then all of a sudden, we lose control of our lives. And, and the first week that we talked about this, we used a message from Jesus that he shared, first of all, with the Pharisees. It was a, a group of the religious hierarchy. That's who he talked to first. But then it moved on, and he actually called the group that was surrounding him. He called them to him. He said, listen, this is important what I've got to say. And then he reiterates it one more time with his disciples when they come and say, you know what? Um, you probably upset those Pharisees a bit. And so Jesus goes into detail with them and says, guys, look, what goes on on the inside of you is important because eventually that's going to come out of you. So what, what can we ascertain from that? What, what, what can we grab from that? Our inputs are important, aren't they? What we put in to our lives and who has control of that? We do. And our input is going gonna, is gonna to affect our outcome. Our inputs is going to affect our outcome. If you have undesirable outcomes in your life, there's a pretty good chance you have unhealthy inputs going in. You input unhealthy, you're going to not have the desired outcome that you're looking for. And Jesus said as much. Matthew chapter 15, he said you got to be careful. The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. These defile them. Now, now we look at that word defile, and we're like, oh, that sounds pretty bad. Yeah, well, what's that do? It, it pulls us away from God. And oftentimes, if we don't control the emotions going on inside us, if we don't control what's going on in us, 
if we're not in control of what we are inputting into our lives and we allow it to just come flowing out at some point in time, it may not just affect our relationship with God, right? It might affect our lives. It might affect the lives of those that we love and those that are around us. And sometimes it's just a little bit of a leak. I gave the illustration of my prowess as a plumber with my toilet. and Just, just a little bit of a leak, but man, alive. And then at some point, boom, it exploded into such a mess. Well, this past week, I decided to become an electrician. No, I'm kidding. I don't have anything. I'm sorry. I'm just... <clears throat> but, but man, it makes a difference, right? Just a little bit of leak, and then all of a sudden, you got a mess if you don't control it. That's what Jesus is saying here. What comes out of a person's mouth? And, and can I tell you something? It's even a little more extensive than that. It's what comes out of a person's life. What comes out of a person's life comes from the heart. And this is what messes us up. This is what he's trying to drive through. The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. So what does that say about the heart? Well, if we go back to Proverbs chapter 4, and, and, and we don't have this. We haven't had this verse yet in, in what we've studied or looked at. But you might want to write it down if you're taking notes. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. In another passage of Scripture, Jesus says, Out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. You ever say something you wish you could take back? Yeah. I think we've all been there. We've all said something we wish, as soon as it ran out, it was like, man, you just rewind it, right? You just, just pull it back. Oh, if only I wouldn't have said. But the problem is, it was down here, and it came rushing out. Above all else, guard your heart. Forget about guarding your mouth. Guard your heart. What are you putting in? If, if you have been to any kind of a, a marriage conference, if you've had some uh, premarital counseling, if, you, if you've read some books that are out, there's so many books available on marriage and that kind of thing, they often talk about the deposit and the withdrawal analogy. I don't know if you've heard that, but they, you're banking, okay? What, what, what's the idea? The idea is... I think you'll agree with me on this. You'd like to deposit more than you withdraw, okay? It works out best that way in, in, in your bank, right? And in fact, they usually will let you know if you have pulled out a little bit more than what you had in there. And in fact, a lot of times, they'll give you the privilege of paying more for having done that. You can't withdraw what you don't have in the bank. And in relationships... In relationships, in, in relationship, in a marriage relationship, they talk about the importance of making deposits into the life of your spouse. And, and if you're both continually making deposits, then there's plenty when a withdrawal is needed and necessary. I believe that the subject we're going to dive into today for a few minutes is much the same way. Today I want to talk to you just on a totally different wavelength than the way we've been going. 
Because here's, here's what I've come to realize, especially this week for one reason or another. If, if we have to control what's being deposited, if we have to control our inputs, can't we turn that on its ear, so to speak? Can't we turn around the negative and make it a positive? We're talking about anger and guilt. And, and last week we talked about disappointments and how if we allow the disappointments in life to just kind of pile up and we don't deal with them correctly. But what if you and I, what if you and I were to determine that we're going to change what we're allowing to get deposited into our life? And maybe, maybe even we're going to recognize what has already been put in because it will help us in life when it comes time to withdraw some of that out. Today I want to talk to you about the subject of grace. Grace. Can you just say that with me? Ready? One, two, three. Grace. I want to talk to you about grace. God's grace. Because I, I, I believe that if we can come to grips with grace, what we've already been given, what is available to us, I think it can make a significant difference in the way that we live life, in the way that we handle life. Grace. I, I decided... I better give you a definition of grace. So instead of going to Webster's, I went to the Bible Dictionary, okay? Did, did you know there was such a thing? There's a Bible Dictionary, and, and what it does, it, it's really a great tool because it gives you the definition according to how this term, this word is used in Scripture. This is the definition of grace. The main idea of the word grace is a divine means of help or strength. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Grace is an enabling power. Oh, I share the verse almost on a weekly basis from John chapter 1, verse 12, where he said, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. Grace is a power. Grace is a power. Have you ever gone to turn something on in, in your kitchen or, or in your living room or something and, and it didn't work? Okay? It, the power didn't work. I don't know about you. You're much more intelligent than I am. But what I do, inevitably, is I press the button harder. I'm not sure why. You know, <laughs> the Keurig doesn't come on, so I like, mm, push it a little harder. That'll do it, right? No, that'll just make something else wrong. Or, or you know, the, the power doesn't come on to the TV, the remote control. I mean, you know, we're used to just being able to use those wherever, you know, put it around our back. And, and when it doesn't come on, we're like, what in the world? So you point it right at it, right? Ding. Nothing. What's going on? Sometimes, if you've got certain plugs, especially in your kitchen, all this stuff doesn't work, and then you realize there's this plug over here with this little red and white buttons, and you've got to hit that circuit. And as soon as you pop that circuit on that plug, everything lights up. Sometimes, again, this is probably only me, but sometimes I'll go to turn something on, get very frustrated, and then realize... I forgot to plug it in. You got to plug it in. What's going on? Is your house supplied with the power? Yes. 
you got plenty of power to make your cup of coffee in the morning. You have plenty of power to kick your TV on. The problem is you're not plugged in. Just a question. Is it possible that there are a lot of people who, who claim to be followers of Jesus, but they just haven't plugged into the power? The definition of grace is that it is an enabling power, a divine source. It enables the recipient to do and to be what he or she cannot do and cannot be on their own. That is awesome. You want to concise that a little bit more? When you look at the grace and the mercy of God, you know what God's mercy is? Mercy is when we do not get what we deserve. When we don't get what all of us deserve. That's why it's so awesome that Lamentation says his mercies are new every morning. Every morning you get a new dose of God's mercy. But can I tell you something? Grace is when we do get what we don't deserve. That's grace. That's God's grace. And it is a power that is available to followers of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I need an extra measure of God's grace. I can never get enough of God's grace. I want to give you three things. Are you surprised by that? Three points today. So oftentimes in a message, I could give you five, I could give you seven, but I I try to keep it at three because three, well, maybe you can handle that. Maybe there'll be one that really sticks to you and you remember more than just before you you leave this building. So, So I give you three today, but there's so much more that could be said about grace. But can I tell you just a little bit about God's grace? First of all, God's grace is a saving grace, a saving grace. You knew that. So many of you could have come up here and preached this portion of the message because you have received that saving grace. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, Paul is writing to his spiritual son. And in 2 Timothy, this is the last book that Paul would ever write. He doesn't write another book after this. He knows that his death is imminent. And so he's writing this book, and it's a special book because he loves Timothy like a son. And so he's writing to Timothy, and here's the other thing he knows. Timothy is going through some difficulty. In fact, some people might say that Timothy is actually depressed. He's a pastor, but he's following in the footsteps of Paul and John, and he's struggling. And and Paul writes to him, and right at the outset Right at the beginning of the letter, chapter 1, verse 9, he says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul would rephrase that when he wrote the church of Ephesus. He would say, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. 
When you step over a line of faith, some of you are like, well, wait, I thought we were saved by faith. No, it's your faith put into God's grace. You see, God had to take the first step, and he took the biggest step. When he left the portals of heaven to come and be born in a manger, do you realize that two months from today we will begin celebrating the birth of Jesus. Let's have a word of prayer. Um, <laughs> is that hard to believe or what? Man, alive. But we'll celebrate. Why? Because it's such a huge deal that God would leave heaven and come to earth for what? You. <laughs> you. He took the biggest step. Is there a step for us to take? Yeah, it's a step of faith. And we step over that line of faith. And by faith, we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. We invite him to come in to forgive our sin. Why? Because he took the biggest step. And by his grace, he was crucified on a cross. Sacrificed for our guilt, for our sin, so that we could know his forgiveness. That's God's grace. And listen, when you accept him by faith, when you accept that grace as your own, you know what he does? He puts such a huge deposit in your heart. He just deposits his grace. I don't know if any of you know this or, or if any of you bought a ticket yesterday, but there's like some super big lotto thing going on. It's over a half a billion. Actually, I was supposed to buy a ticket because God and I have an agreement. Whenever it goes over half a billion, I buy one ticket. All right? And, and I've promised 50% to God and his work. I mean, come on. But I forgot to buy a ticket, so hopefully you did. And if you win, don't forget to tithe. Um, <laughs> but can, can you imagine, can you even imagine if you win that and they give you that check and they drop that sum of money into your account? <laughs> oh, man, that is exactly what happened. When you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, he dropped his love, he dropped his son, he dropped his forgiveness, he deposited his grace right into your life. By grace, we're saved. Unreal. I, I was reading, we, we have actually given in our, our missions giving, although much of it goes to the SBC, we, we, we give uh, to other mission organizations, and there's one that we've been given to for the past couple of years. It's called the Voice of the Martyrs, and it is basically what the organization says it is. It is, it is people who live in countries where it is basically against the law to believe in and have faith in Jesus Christ, and these people are, are persecuted and oftentimes put to death. Did you know that in the 20th century, more people gave their lives for the cause of Christ than in all other centuries before? In the 20th century, we, I mean, forgive me, we get upset and sometimes have a right to, but in our land of the free, home of the brave, we often, that's not even a second thought for us because we have such freedom. I was reading about a young lady, and I want to read to you just an excerpt from her story. Her, her name is Sanjana, 
Now, I don't know if that's her real name or not, to be honest, because a lot of times, even in the magazine, they'll change the names of the people because they, they still face persecution. They'll, they'll blot out sometimes a good portion of their face so that they can't be recognized just in case somebody gets a hold of this magazine. Can you, can you imagine? Her name is Sanjana. Miraculously, she found Jesus through the testimony and witness of a neighbor as a 15-year-old. And she was part of a family in the Middle East. And when they found out about her faith, she was subjected to all kinds of brutal treatment. She was locked in a room on their family property. She was given very little food. She was abused. She was subjected to beatings that fractured her neck, broke her shoulder, broke her arm, but never broke her spirit. Unreal. After finally having escaped, she was asked why she never rejected her faith in Christ during those years of terrible treatment. That's all she had to do. I'm done. I was just kidding. And they asked her, why, why didn't you just do that? This is, this is her response. Suppose I was living in the pigsty like the prodigal son. Then you cleaned me and washed me. I was eating clean food and wearing clean clothes. How can I go back to the pigsty just to escape suffering? I am an ambassador to my God now. How can I become a slave once again? How can she say that? Can I tell you how? Grace. Grace. God's grace saved her and it changed her life. Changed her life. And she says, I, I can't, even though it would be easier, I can't go back because of the deposit that he made in my life. Can I give you another one? Grace not only saves us, grace shares. Grace shares. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7, it says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. To each of us, we've been given grace. According to what? According to to Christ. In another section of scripture, Philippians chapter 4 actually, Paul would say, my God will supply all your need according to the riches in Christ Jesus. My God will supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. What does God own? He owns it all. And whatever we have is a gift of his grace. And he has given to each one of us a measure of his grace, but it comes from the supply of Christ, which is never ending. The supply of Christ, which never leaves. What do we get? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, May God give you more and more grace and peace. 
There's a peace that comes from Christ. Why? Grace. Grace. Jesus says, I have a peace that passes understanding. I have a peace that doesn't make any sense, but I'll give it to you. Why would you do that? Grace. And Peter is writing that book, that letter, to Christians who are going through much of what Sanjana went through. They're going through terrible persecution. But yet he would say to them, peace. Grace and peace. May God give you more and more of it. How about, how about joy? Do you, do you need some joy? Do you need joy that doesn't make any sense? Jesus has that for you. Why? Grace. Just a few verses later in verse 8 of 1 Peter 1, he says, You love him even though you've never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. It doesn't make sense. Why would there ever be laughter in a funeral home? Grace. <laughs> Grace. Why, why, why would there be a, a hospital wing and in one room despair, but in another room a joy that doesn't make any sense? Grace. Grace. That's all it is. It's grace. How could it be that Christians, Christians that Peter is writing to, would be marched by the thousands, by the tens of thousands, into the Colosseum. And as they marched into the Colosseum, where they knew they would be killed for their faith, where they knew, some of them, they were going to release the lions that hadn't been fed in a long time. They were going to come across the warriors of the Roman Empire who would slaughter them to pieces because they had nothing to defend themselves. And yet they would walk in singing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Who does that? People who've been filled with grace. Grace. It doesn't make any sense. It's all grace. How about love? 2 Corinthians 8, 7, Paul says, But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. John would say that we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. And Jesus himself would say, look at Love the Lord your God with everything you've got and prove that by loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Last thing he would say to his disciples when they gathered in that upper room just before he would head to the garden with them, he would say, guys, here's how they're going to know you're, you're my followers. By the way we sing? No. By the fact we have a guy get up there and give a message? No. By the way we keep the church? No. By the way that you love. That's how they'll know. That's what's going to make the difference. How can we love 
the way he asks us to love. You ready for this? Grace. Grace. How about everything we have in life? Everything that you and I enjoy in this life, James, the half-brother of Jesus, would write in James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Everything you have. Today, when you go home, when we're done here in about an hour or two, we, you head for home, you, you grab a bite to eat, and, and you go in, and you adjust the temperature in your home to however you feel. If it's a little cool, you turn the heat up. If it's a little hot, you turn the air on. If you live in our house, the air stays on all the time, 24-7. It's just one of those things. But, but whatever it is in your house, you go in there. It's raining. Guess what? You're dry. And you settle back in your comfortable chair to open your life up to another afternoon of disappointment watching the lions. But you do it. You're free to do it. Why? Are you ready for this? Listen, catch this now. Grace. Grace. It's all God's grace. The way you got here today, grace. You say, oh, that old clunker, grace. Trust me, most people in third world countries be glad to take your old car off your hands. Grace. The food you eat, grace. Have you ever had a bad meal? Yeah, I think we've all experienced that. You ever complain about that for days? You ever say to yourself, I ain't never going back there again. What are we doing? We're forgetting God's grace and all the wonderful meals that we've experienced before that time. Then I, trust me, I'm not saying that you don't, you know, send something back because it's not made the right way or, you know, they, you ordered a steak well done and it's still mooing when it comes to your plate. Send it back. That's fine. But do you understand what our problem is? Our problem is that's what we zero in on. That's what we keep depositing into our life. The bad meal, the bad meal, the bad temperature, the bad thing at the house, the thing that broke down, the old car. And I see on Facebook that they're driving a new Cadillac Escalade. Why? And we keep depositing all that stuff and then we wonder when we need the grace, where is it? It's there. It's there. But your input is going to so much affect your output. We need to understand James had it right. And let's be honest, it took him a while to figure it out, didn't it? It took him, his resurrected brother, after Easter, appearing in front of him for him to be like, ha, 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 okay, I'm good. He didn't believe until after Easter, and Jesus in what? Grace and mercy showed up to James. And now James writes to us and he said, here, let, let, let me fill you in on something. Every good thing you have, grace. It's all grace. It's all from God. Why? Because he owns it all. If, if, if there was ever anything, any lesson that we should learn from the past couple of years, it's that we are not ultimately in control. But you can put your faith and trust in someone who is. 
And when you and I don't seem to have enough, and there's going to be those times, aren't there? We can put our faith and trust in one who God's word says owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. So whatever he gives to me, grace. Your family, grace. Grace. They asked an associate of Billy Graham who had traveled with him for 40 years, and he'd raised a great family. And they said, hey, T.W., can you, you know, would you be willing to, to write a book or at least an article on what it takes to raise a good family? And he said, no. Why? Because it's all grace. It's all grace. It is God's grace. Go home and pull out those scrapbooks with all the pictures and look through them. You want to know what that is? Every memory is God's grace. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. Grace. And the problem is we don't realize it. We haven't reprioritized it enough. We keep filling ourselves with all the things that this world wants to fill us with, whether it's fear and worry and anxiety, whether it's anger, whether it's bitterness. That's what we're filling ourselves with. And we need to understand that God has bestowed on us His grace. Is it all going to go the way we want it to? No. If it did, we wouldn't need heaven. But it gives us something to aspire to. And he said, look, I know it's not going to be easy down here. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be trouble. But I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Everything. So what do we got to do? What do we got to do to make sure that that becomes something that is prominent in our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 4.15 Indeed, everything is for your benefit. So that grace extended through more and more people may cause thanksgiving to increase to God's glory. Don't allow thanksgiving to be something that is a theme of your life in November. Don't let it be something that we just sit around a table and experience thankfulness should be something that we experience every day, every time that we sense and see God's grace in our life, we thank him for it. When we need his grace in our life, we thank him for what he's going to do in advance. And out of grateful hearts, what are we doing? We are depositing more and more of that grace. In a certain sense, we're withdrawing the grace that's already been deposited. We're tapping into the power. Grateful hearts. God's grace. I walk into this building, and I thought about it yesterday, because I... I've tried every time, but I realize, no, you know what's happened? I, I get used to this. I begin to take this for granted. And I walked around yesterday, especially thinking about what we were talking about today, and I just said, thank God, thank you, God, for this building. Thank you for this campus. I wouldn't want to go through everything we went through to get it, but thank God it's here. We have three times the toilets in this building that we had in our old property. I mean, if nothing else, one bathroom took care of enough, totaled up everything we had on our old property. That's just, praise God. Are there people who have more? 
Yeah. Do we want to do more with what we have? Yeah. But it doesn't stop us for thanking him for his grace right now. His grace. And can I give you one more and then, and then we're done. We, we need to finish up here. Grace sustains. Grace saves. And grace shares. But grace sustains us. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, but he, God, said to me, the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. What's going on? Paul has what he would call a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is. There have been all kinds of people that have speculated. Some think he was going blind, that he was losing his eyesight. But whatever it was, he continually prayed, God, please, please, please take this away from me. Let me get rid of this. And God finally responds to his prayer and says, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. God said, my, my grace will sustain you, Paul. My grace will sustain you because in your weakness, people will see my strength. You won't be able to take credit, Paul, for, for what you're doing, for what you're accomplishing. It's all about God. And I will make sure that in your weakness, I am strong. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every time grace shows up, God's just revealing the deposit that's already been made. And every time grace shows up, there's, there's a few things that it does. Number one, it allows us to see God's faithfulness. We remember what he's done. We remember what he's done in the past. And, and if God was able to do it in the past, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's able to do it again. We are reminded of his faithfulness. The second thing is it allows us to be expectant for his grace to be enough in the future. We can expect his grace to be enough. We don't have to rely on our own strength because sometimes it won't be enough. But with expectation, we can know that his grace will be sufficient. And finally, finally, it allows us to be grace for other people. I, I, I picked up my mom. Uh, she, she was up at the, the camp. We actually have a a number of people up there this weekend for a family camp. And, and mom was up at the cabin for a few days. She said, can you pick me up in, in Novi? And I said, yeah, that, that will be fine. And, and a dear friend of our family for my entire life, <laughs> uh, Debbie. Actually, she's Pastor Jack's sister. And uh, she's kind of been an older sister to me and my brother. And she's, she's been around our whole lives and babysat us and all that kind of thing. She was bringing mom to Novi from up north. And so we arranged to meet at the, the Red Lobster at 12 Oaks Mall, okay? 
In case you're ever needing to pick somebody up in Novi, it's pretty easy off expressway, Red Lobster. And so we went there. And I go to pull in the Red Lobster, and there's a car in front of me. So I stop. And then I realize the car's not moving. And I kind of, you know, I want to honk my horn, but then I'm like, well, maybe there's something wrong. And so finally I pull around, and I see the door open, and there's a young lady in there that's not been driving nearly as long as I have. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good. So I find, I, I find Debbie and my mom and I pull in. And so I get stuff and put it in the trunk and we're ready to go. And this lady's still there, but now there's two or three cars behind her. And you know, people in the, you know, living a life of grace, they start honking their horn. And this lady's not going anywhere. She can't. The car's dead. So I went over. I said, do you need some help? She says, yeah, my dad's coming, but I can't get it to go anywhere. I said, put it in neutral. Put it in neutral. I said, I, I go to Mighty Warrior. <clears throat> you know, so I pull my shirt off. And, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I get, I get behind the car, and she's got it neutral, and I start pushing, and I'm like, okay, and I am pushing. Now, I don't have the best shoes on. You know, I'm like, should have worn my tennis shoes. But I'm, I'm pushing with all my might. And then I'm like, okay, I got to get it to rock a little bit. And so I'm, it's starting to rock just a little bit. And I'm starting to get it. And I push and I push and I push. And it moved about two inches. And I'm like, holy cow. So Debbie comes over. <laughs> I'm like, Deb, bless your heart. But you're older than me. Remember, you were my babysitter. And she's dressed even, you know, for more dressy than I am. She had an appointment to get to. She gets behind there, and we both start pushing. And all of a sudden, the car starts moving. And we get moving. And then, you know, as the car gets moving, you pick up a little momentum. And, and then finally, we're like, turn the wheel, turn the wheel. And then the lady got out of the car, and she came back and helped us. And we were able to push it right into a spot. And Deb went up, turned the wheel, and we pulled it right in so that when a tow truck came, they could pull right out. And she's out of everybody's way. Oh, thank you, thank you. Can I tell you something? I couldn't do that by myself. I'd like to think I could. But I couldn't. I just needed a little bit of help. Is that you? And, and, and here's, here's the problem. So often when we need a little bit of help, we A, don't think anybody wants to give it, or B, we don't want anybody's help. I'll do it on my own. No. You'll move that car about an inch. But if, if, if we can understand that we are to be grace for others, I can make such a difference. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, God comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Can I tell you something? Listen to this. God does not waste any pain. And you all have experienced it in one way or another. But do you know that if you'll let him, he'll, he'll use what you've been through to, to be grace for somebody else? You'll be able to help someone else out? You know, the past couple of weeks, um, I have completely changed the course of my message. Uh, and, and I, I hope and pray that it's under the direction of the Spirit of God. 
But, but last Sunday we talked to you, uh, this wasn't in my outline or in my notes for this series, but we talked to you about disappointments. And I just knew that there were a lot of people facing some disappointments and we'd had some pretty good discussions in our Wednesday night class. And, and as I was reading through the book that we're going through, it talked about the importance of handling and controlling our disappointment. Because if we don't control our disappointment, our disappointment can control us and can kind of pull us into a downward spiral. So, so then this week, I, I was going in a totally different direction. And on Tuesday night, I came home late. I, I was at a, a meeting all day, and I got home about 8, 8.30. And I hadn't eaten dinner. And when I pulled in, uh, Kaylee and Eric were there. They had just come over to, to and And I don't even know what they were talking about. All I remember is hearing my wife say, it's grace for the moment. Grace for the moment. And immediately my mind went back to a, a Saturday celebration. We used to have concerts at Hiawatha at the camp. Every Saturday night, Dad would bring somebody in. And one of the favorites was a guy by the name of Buddy Green. And he brought Buddy Green in, and I was taken back to a concert where he got up and he ended his concert playing a guitar, no soundtrack. He said, this is a new song. And he sang a song called Grace for the Moment. And so the next morning I got up and, uh, you know, I have a lot of prowess as far as technology is concerned. So I just looked at my phone. I said, Siri, <clears throat> for some reason I think I have to speak in a deep voice when I talk to Siri. She responds much quicker, Siri. Play Buddy Green, Grace for the Moment. Bam. It came on, and I listened to it. And I remembered him stepping up there and singing that song. And I remember the first time I heard it, it was, had just been a few months since my best friend had gone home to be with Jesus. And I remembered those words, and I listened to them again. And I thought... I thought kind of of my own life. Just stuff, life stuff, you know, that you're having to go through and deal with. But then I also thought of a lot of you and a lot of people in our church, people who have lost loved ones in just the past few weeks. One in our church, one of our oldest members who actually had moved a year or so ago and her family dealing with the fact she went home to be with Jesus just a couple days ago. Some who've been in the hospital very unexpectedly. Some dealing with still this pandemic and COVID and people in their family and some dealing with employment issues and marriage and kids and everything in between. And I kept listening to that song and I thought, I need to share that song, but, but here's part of the problem. We do now online, you got all kinds of hoops you kind of got to jump through if you just play some guy. So I'm like, all right, I think I need to do this myself. And there's a reason why I don't speak and sing, okay? And it's because when you're done speak, speaking and singing, I have found are two different voices. I can't figure it out. So you'll have to forgive the voice. But then the other thing was, how do I get a track for this? There was no soundtrack. 
And then I remembered I have this studio musician I know in Nashville. <laughs> Her name's Whitney. <laughs> and uh, I used to fall asleep at 1, 1.30, 2 in the morning, listening to a guitar in the next room, continually playing and playing. Usually John Mayer, but every once in a while it was something about Jesus. So I called her up, and the first thing she said is, Dad, thanks for giving me 24 hours on this. Um, and then she said, let me see what I can do. Well, she actually was able to pull it off, and uh, so she sent me a little soundtrack. So guys, if you can hit that back there. I want you to listen to these words. Will you do that as we wrap this up today? Grace, for whatever moment you're in, whatever moment you need, He's got enough grace. Grace for the moment. That's all we can ask for. Grace for the moment. All that I need. Grace for the moment. Faith to receive. All the promises given to those who Faith to receive 
heads together with me in prayer. I'm not sure where you're at in your spiritual journey. I can tell you this. We all need more grace. For some of you, you you've known Jesus for a long time. You, you just You need to reconnect to the power source that is grace. That needs to be your prayer right now. For some of you, you're going through some difficulty. And you know all about God's grace, but you need an extra measure of it right now. Make that your request of Him. But for some of you here today with us or watching online, Maybe you've never experienced that saving grace. You can do that today. For you, simply by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did for you. If you want to make that decision before I wrap up this prayer, I just, I want to invite you to pray with me. You don't need to say it out loud. He'll hear you. But if you want to know today that Christ lives in you, that your sin is forgiven, that your heavenly home is your eternal destiny, if you want to know that his grace is a part of your life, I want to invite you to pray this prayer in your heart after me. Just simply say, Lord Jesus, I do believe you love me. I believe you died for me and rose again. I invite you to come into my life, forgive my sin, and save me by your grace. In Jesus' name, with our heads still bowed in prayer, if you prayed that prayer and you're with us today, would you just quickly slip up your hand and put it down? Say, that's me today, Billy. I prayed that prayer. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Just slip it up and put it down. That's me today, Billy. I prayed that prayer. I invited, yep, thank you, buddy. I see it. God bless you. I prayed that prayer. I invited Christ to come into my life. If you're watching with us online, there's a tab that came up that you can hit right there on your computer, on your iPad, your phone. It just says, today I accepted Christ. Would you, would you hit that for us? It's just going to let us know of the decision you made. We're not even going to know your name today, but, but God does. You can rest assured we'll be praying with you and for you before this day is over. Father, for your grace, <laughs> thank you 
Thank you for showing grace when we don't deserve it. Thank you for showing grace when we don't acknowledge it. Thanks for depositing your love and your forgiveness in our lives. Thanks today, Lord, for some who have stepped across that line of faith and accepted you and your salvation. Lord, I pray you'd do something tangible in their lives in the next few days to help them realize the importance of the decision they just made today. We know that heaven rejoices with them. Thank you for meeting with us here today. Father, I pray that in your grace, your presence would go with all who have been part of this experience today. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Revel in his grace. Revel in his grace, not just today, but in the days to come.